Hello, I'm Hillary. And I'm Emily. And we're, we're the, the Sirens. Sirens. Today we're going to talk about the movie Spellbound, which is a uh, Hitchcock classic that came out in 1945. It stars Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck. And it is a maybe one of his uh, one of Hitchcock's most psychoanalytical psychology um, based thrillers. Um, it takes place actually in like a therapy center where um, Ingrid Bergman's character is a psychoanalyst, and um, a new director comes in to take the place of um, a director who's had a nervous breakdown. Um, the new director is played by Garnery Peck, and they f- fall in love immediately. And <laughs> <laughs> using just their eyes, using <laughs> just as you do, and um, and then um, they she discovers um, pretty quickly that he has some kind of um, nervous um, tick that involves uh, black lines on white surfaces. Um, and uh, the plot sort of ensues from there and um, includes all kinds of uh, dream sequences and other psychoanalysis um, throughout the movie. What'd I miss? (laughs) Um, I think you got a lot of it. Yeah, that's basically That's basically the plot. Yeah. What do you have for trivia for us? Well, this was one of the first movies in Hollywood to deal with psychoanalysis, so I think this is a time when everyone was fascinated by the idea of psychoanalysis. It's sort of this post-Freud world. Yeah, I forget when Freud was actually alive. It's like 19th century, right? Yeah, late 19th century. (laughs) Bad historian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... The use of the dreams and dream interpretation was a central part of the plot, so it was very Freudian in that way. We need a dream sequence sound effect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the dream sequence was designed by Salvador Dali. Oh yeah, I forgot that about this movie. Which is so cool, and I read that it originally was supposed to be even longer and have an extended scene with a ballroom with... Um, pianos hanging from the ceiling but they had to cut that out due to time constraints <laughs> those are only two hours long um so i think most people probably know that hitchcock makes a cameo in all of his movies yeah so he did in this one i actually didn't spot it oh i didn't either time, but i read that it's about 40 minutes in and when they're at the hotel he comes out of the elevator carrying a violin case and smoking What's the psychoanalytical uh, significance of a violin and a cigar? Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I, a cigar is only a cigar. <laughs> in retrospect, I did notice that there was someone coming out of the elevator that they seemed to be spending too much time on. But the way the pacing of movies from this time are is so slow yeah. that I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Um, other thing I thought was interesting was that apparently Hitchcock was not happy with Gregory Peck's acting in terms of his facial expressions. There are a lot of times, I have to say, that it, when he wasn't supposed to be fainting, that I thought he looked like he was fainting. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? And he, there were a lot of times when I laughed when I wasn't supposed to be <laughs> laughing when watching this, but um, 
I have a quote from Gregory Peck. He says, I couldn't produce the facial expressions that Hitch wanted turned on. I didn't have that facility. He already had a preconception of what the expression ought to be on your face. He planned that as carefully as the camera angles. Hitchcock was an outside fellow, and I had the Stanislavski training from the neighborhood playhouse, which means you work from the inside. So you can see that there's a little bit of tension yeah. there. And I don't know, I don't think they worked again on another movie after this. I don't, I don't know. At least not that I know of. But Ingrid Bergman and Hitchcock and Cary Grant actually worked together on a lot of movies and when this is like going into talking a little bit about actors I guess a little bit but um when Ingrid Bergman was um exiled from Hollywood Cary Grant and Hitchcock were the two people who like stuck by her and like like carried on her reputation even when like everyone else was like poo-pooing in her um and Cary Grant actually accepted her Oscar for her in the okay. ni- in 1956 because she wasn't allowed to attend the ceremony. Was she, why was it? Because she was blacklisted? Or she was blacklisted, oh. yeah. For, well, she was blacklisted because she had a, a child out of wedlock with a guy she wasn't, who was not the man that she was currently married to. That's not a good reason to be blacklisted. <laughs> not that there were that many <laughs> good reasons, but that's, that is not a good reason. Yeah. Um, Actually, I also read that Cary Grant was Hitchcock's first choice to play the role of Valentine. Yeah. So, Gregory Peck coming up short. Although, that mug, I mean, I was pretty happy with him in this movie. It doesn't matter whether he can act. He looks looks pretty good. Yes, well, I I can uh, talk a little bit about Gregory Peck's background. <laughs> More than just a pretty face. More, yes. I mean, he does look beautiful in this movie, but we'll set that aside. Really, two of the most good-looking actors you could possibly picture in a movie. Um, so, best fact that I found out is that his first name was Eldred. <laughs> and he dropped that, which I'm not surprised by. Why? Why would you drop the first name like Eldred? <laughs> a little bit of background. He was born in 1960s. 1916 in California and raised Catholic and then his parents were divorced when he was five so he was brought up by his grandmother and she took him to the movies every week so that was kind of his exposure to that Um, he went to the University of California Berkeley pre-med and rode crew there Uh, I think he comes from more of like a working class background and it only cost $26 a year to attend at that point but he still had trouble Making ends meet, so he slung hash in one of the sororities in exchange for them feeding him, and that was like how he got by in school. Um, and then when he was at Berkeley, that's when he got more interested in acting. He got recruited to be in the plays, and he did five plays a senior year. And after that, he went on to act on the New York stage. So really, he comes from more of a theater background, and yeah. he transitioned from that into film. And he's most famous for playing Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, for which he won um, Best Actor. But he was also nominated four other times for The Keys of the Kingdom, The Yearling, Gentleman's Agreement, and Twelve O'Clock High. Um, But I had not actually seen... The first movie I saw him in was Roman Holiday, which is just another one that I love. 
but that's part of the reason he just looked so young in this movie. <laughs> he looked like he was about 22. I couldn't believe anyone believed that he was Dr. Edwards and had written all these books. Yeah. Well, because if he was born in 1916, he was just 30, right? And yeah. When this movie came out. So he was a little baby. <laughs> yeah. What about Ingrid Bergman? So Ingrid Bergman was just a year older than Gregory Peck um, from Sweden. And she, um, or when she was orphaned when she was 12 or 14. Um, but she, uh, her father was a photographer and ran a camera shop. And so she spent almost all of her childhood until he died, um, um, you know, mugging for a camera and like knew how to do that. But otherwise she was very, very shy. Um, but she was trained at the, you know, the major theater school in Stockholm, um, and then started working movies there and was discovered, um, by Hollywood, um, after she did a movie called, um, Intermezzo, um, that they then redid in California, um, and that was sort of her, like, big breakthrough in, um, in the U.S., and then, of course, she starred in other movies, a lot of Hitchcock movies, and then, um, Casablanca, of course, right before a few years before um, Spellbound. Um, but then a few years later, she, as, as I was saying before, she sort of <laughs> went off to Italy and met Roberto Rossellini, who was the, the big, like, Italian realism uh, director and film producer and um, starred in a couple of movies with him and had three children and was blacklisted in Hollywood and eventually came back to the U.S. Um, after she divorced uh, Rossellini um, and went on to win um, several Academy Awards and, um, and kept acting until she died in 1982. Her last movie was a TV movie in which she starred um, as Golda Meir, who was this, like, short, dumpy, um, like, Israeli woman. <laughs> She's this like five foot ten Swedish lady. <laughs> I must have known she could act. <laughs> like, like, play someone who doesn't look like you at all. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, That's interesting. Well, yeah. should should we get into the plot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because there are so many things. To discuss. There are so many things. <laughs> Um, where should we start? When? Well, I mean, for one thing, can we talk about the fact that Ingrid Bergman's character was basically being sexually harassed in the workplace? Yes. Like, how many times the guy who was supposed to be in love with her um, saying things like, it's like embracing a textbook, and you're frozen. And yeah, it was. it was just a whole attitude of, because I am making advances, therefore you must melt and be interested. Yeah. The poor girl is withering away with science, somebody says, which I think is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then what about the female patient in the opening scene? Oh, yeah, who's the only other woman you see in the entire movie. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering. We'll get to the Bechtel <laughs> But, um, so... I felt like there were a lot of the dialogue and the, like, overtones of this movie just reeked of 
Hitchcock's like messed up relationship with women yeah. in so many ways. But <laughs> that that character who was the female patient, I think her name was Mary. She so was she supposed to be an abuse victim? I don't or a, a nymphomaniac? I don't know. It's hard to know. <laughs> yeah, because she she was like, I hate men, I hate that men, my skin crawls when they touch me. Blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as she saw men, she'd be like, oh, like, I hope that we can meet privately. And Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very odd. And I actually read, um, when I was looking into the trivia, that it, they actually originally had, like, much stronger language about her being, like, a sex maniac and stuff like that. But then they had to cut it out. Because <laughs> the censors didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of... The, the, yeah, there were, there were a lot of things. And the dialogue later, well, as soon as then she does take an interest in a man, when the, Dr. Ed, the supposed Dr. Edwards comes, then all the male colleagues are gossiping about her and basically implying that she, like, immediately slept with him. Yeah, right. And even though, well, she has some pretty cutting lines, too, of, towards them when they're, like, giving her, you know, crap about it. Um, you know, and she sort of doesn't take any nonsense, nonsense from them. I mean, she doesn't really, like, call them out on it, but I guess it is the 1940s, so, and it's Hitchcock yeah. film, so. It must have been hard being a female psychiatrist. Yeah, I wonder how many there actually were like in real life in the 40s. I'm sure it was probably in real life very similar to what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> One female psychiatrist among like 40 male ones. In a way, it seemed worse that she was working at that sanatorium because she had to live there too. Yeah. Whereas if she had been in like a private office at least she could have gone home at the end of the day and yeah. not had to eat lunch with these people and stuff. <laughs> like sexually harassing her yes <laughs> um yeah what did you think about the whole use of the guilt complex as a oh, main yeah. plot device i um i thought that was interesting um it's interesting that that's the that's the complex that they like went with um Although, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess right now, I, I guess there would because they're, like, the same age and they're falling in love, it's not like they could, like, use, like, an Oedipus complex or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it doesn't work as well with crime fighting, I guess. But So I have never been in psychoanalysis, like, the formal psychoanalysis where they, like, delve into your childhood and, like, you get dream analysis and stuff like that, so I can't speak to it, but to me, it seemed very unrealistic that you just get the person to remember what happened and then it's over immediately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that and his, like, crises that he had where he was, like, remembering and then falling over and fainting. Yeah, and passing out. I, that didn't seem very realistic to me, that that would be how it actually happened. And that, like, returning to the place where, you know, the crime occurred um, would be enough to, like, release the um, the suppressed memory of... Um, 
you know, his childhood. Um, and that just, like, releasing that suppressed memory would, you know, be all the relief he needed to, like... Yeah. I, that scene in particular was so... We need to talk about the skiing. <laughs> because... <laughs> How did they tie them together? I mean, that, like... They were right next to each other. There's no way they could have skied next to each other like that, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, it was it just looked so ridiculous. <laughs> With the wind and the like really bad blurry background going by. And meanwhile she kept looking over and then he would be like, Wait, I remember. <laughs> I mean it just I, I don't know. It seems ridiculous. Like, they're very, very good skiers. I don't <laughs> I did like their skiing ensembles though yes. we could talk about that okay. although they they leave they go to the sanatorium there were some like continuity issues where they like leave the sanitarium go to her advisor's house in upstate New York or wherever and don't have any bags with them and then the next day they don't change their clothes but suddenly they're going skiing and like ski up it's like, where did, where they did have you get their your backup clothes? ski costumes <laughs> in their right. pockets that's <laughs> right. it's like you never know. You're gonna have to go skiing. That's right. It's the only thing you take with you. And it was hilarious, also, how Gregory Peck's character—he remembered his brother's death, and in the same instant he remembered it, immediately said, "That wasn't my fault. It was an accident." Like he had just resolved all of his yeah personal right guilt. in like a split second. I don't think that's how it works. No. <laughs> No. And also, I mean, not to split hairs, not that it was intentional, but his actions did directly cause his brother's death. So. <laughs> he did, yes, he did technically kill his brother. Yes, not he just purpose. didn't do it on purpose. Right. So. Um, yeah. Um, I, one thing I did like about the movie was that there was sort of a gender role swap in that the woman was the doctor and the patient was the man. So that even though she was the only one in, she was the only woman in the movie, she was in a role of, that had some, like, she had, like, compared to him, she had more power than he did. And, he, and she, like, consistently said, I'm not here, even though I'm, like, head of her heels in love with you, I'm not here, like, as a person who loves you, I'm here as your doctor, which, like, we could... There's some ethical issues with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she probably was lying to herself about that, but um, I thought it was interesting that, like, there was a shift in, or, like, a flip in power dynamics. Yeah, I liked that, too. Um, I had a lot of trouble buying the romance. Just, I mean, not that it wasn't well acted, but they're just... The fact that he was an amnesia patient and yeah. basically had no person, like he had no, nothing, yeah. no personality. So I don't know what she was drawn to, except yeah. if it was. His well, and then as soon as she finds out that he's a, she's he's an amnesiac, she still, you know, she still trusts him, even though there's the possibility that he did actually kill this. Yes, <laughs> that was uh, the way that she believed in him. Like, but there was no background. <laughs> to justify that. I mean, it was basically just a leap of faith, which could have gone very poorly for her. And yeah. when he went to jail initially, I don't know why she wasn't also arrested for helping him. Yeah. 
playing her woman card. <laughs> I was so in love. Um, did you like the camera angles when they first looked at each other and it zoomed in really close yeah. on their faces? Yeah. And then there was that image of all the doors opening yeah. in her mind because she hadn't truly lived until she loved a man. <laughs> I did love all of those. Um, I did love all of those, those like the tight close shots on their faces that like then you know there was some like correlation drawn with some like some Freudian imagery like the doors opening and closing and whatever and their eyes and whatever it's sort of I liked that it was a good way to you know match the cinematography with the themes of the movie I mean it's a little bit bizarre but (laughs) but it fit with this particular movie I mean, despite the fact that it was a, a little bit ridiculous in some parts, I actually did find this movie very disturbing and scary. Yeah. I, yeah. More so than, because we had watched Charade recently, which is a similar, like, somebody dies and we're trying to figure out, and then people are coming after you. And, and you don't know if the person you immediately fall in love with is actually trying to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> like it had very similar themes, but that one wasn't scary to me. It was yeah. more like a caper, whereas this one, I think the a lot of it was that you're, you are pretty close to the Gregory Peck character, and he honestly does not know if he killed someone or not, yeah. and he thinks that he did. Yeah. And that idea of not being able to trust your own mind, I think, is very scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. I have sort of a technical question about black and white movies versus color movies, which is that, so he, they kept saying in the movie that what, like, sort of triggered him was black lines on a white background, but it's a black and white movie, so everything appears white with, you know, with black lines. I mean, it, so, but when they're filming it, she could very well be wearing, like, a blue <laughs> robe with, like, black, black lines on it. Or the bathtub could be, like, pink with, you know, black shadows on it. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of a, I, I, at some point in the movie, I realized that, like, the experience of filming it was probably very different from the, like, the viewer's experience of, like, <laughs> what what that actual trigger is, but I don't, or I, I mean, I don't know if they just, like, like if all of those things actually were white and with black lines on it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, certain things did look like they were white to me, but others I couldn't tell. Like her robe, I couldn't tell if it yeah. was or not. That was very funny when she was drawing the pattern with her fork on the linen, and yeah. he got so upset. I just thought, I laughed at that part. I was like, this is, he said, what are we, made of lemons or something like that? <laughs> but um, what did you think of how he was kind of, like, angry at her? Like, he kind of, he almost did act like he was schizophrenic in some ways. Yeah. In that, like, he loved her so much and everything was great. And then a switch would turn when she was trying to get him to remember and he would lash out at her. And that to me would have, if I were her, that would have disturbed me because that was obviously some part of his personality. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe in the sequel of Spellbound, he they like are no longer together because <laughs> he's abusive and she says, "I'm not taking it anymore." <laughs> um, did you see the ending? Co- I mean, I know this isn't the first time you've watched this, but did you think the ending seemed like a surprise? Um, Doctor Murchison having committed the crime. I think I was. A little bit surprised. I mean, I think right before, she, like right right before she realized it in the movie, I re- re- either realized or remembered that he was the problem. I mean, he was the, the perpetrator. And I can't, I don't know if they were trying to like telegraph that possibility at the beginning of the movie when they refer to Dr. Murchison's like previous um, psychotic break um, and or if that like period of his psychotic break was when he was actually it was like sort of an excuse for going and, and killing the Dr. Edwards but I don't know were you surprised? I wasn't I mean that was sort of my guess because you know we'd both do creative writing, and I actually had professors use movies like this as a way to teach plot, and they always talked about, like, you basically don't introduce anything unless it matters, so, like, in the very beginning when they mentioned his nervous breakdown and how he was stepping down, I was thinking, this is going to come back later somehow. This is an important detail. Yeah. Um, But I was not (laughs) expecting the way that she confronted him directly which I thought seemed very risky (laughs) I know I was like after all of this you are going to go to his office and tell him what you figured out and although she didn't seem that surprised that he drew a gun on her yeah and then oh that spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) the angle with the gun yeah apparently they had to build a giant gun and a giant hand Hand. to get that (laughs) angle which I thought was cool um, yeah, I thought it was a satisfying ending, but I didn't like that, you know, then they're just immediately getting married. I feel like people, yeah. in all these kinds of movies, they go through some kind of horrible trauma, and then they just immediately get married. Yeah. I'm like, maybe you should try dating as normal people for a couple months. <laughs> right, because in this movie, they've known each other for like two weeks, and they get married. Yeah. Did you like her advisor? I liked him. I mean, he, he wasn't as um, like patronizing as I thought he was going to be when like they go to his house. I mean, yes, he's very protective and like paternal about her, but he wasn't like, oh, you, know, you don't know what you're doing because you're a woman. I mean, he, there was like, in, there was a reason for the way that he was acting and being protective of her. I think. I don't know. What did you think? I liked him pretty well, although I didn't like some of the comments he made about... Like, women make the best psychoanalysts, except when they fall in love and then they make the best patients. Yeah, that line in particular (laughs) was pretty detestable. (laughs) Although he did say, you know who make the most trouble in the world? Old people. (laughs) (laughs) 
The one scene I didn't understand that well in the movie was when Gregory Peck's character comes downstairs with the razor. Oh, yeah. So how does that fit in with the guilt complex? Because I don't feel like that having that mental health problem would then make him want to kill someone. Yeah. Like, that part didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Although maybe he thinks that he's... He thinks he's... If he can't remember what really happened, and he thinks that he already killed this guy, then... Maybe he thinks he's capable... Since he then automatically assumes that he's capable of killing, he... You know, we should ask a psychoanalyst about this. Yeah, because that didn't fit in with the rest of... Everything else kind of made sense with that, but that particular scene, I didn't think it did. Because he obviously... Like, he kept wanting to turn himself into the police. He obviously felt bad about it. Yeah. And, and I don't see why he would have wanted to repeat it. Yeah. Her cloak is trimmed with monkey fur to lend a dash of drama. Anyone for tennis? Well, this will make them cringe. What did you think about the costumes? It's so interesting because movies from this period the women are all so elegant and, like, wearing suits and everything, and I really like that. <laughs> Her sweater at the end of the movie where they're, um, you know, they think that the, everything is okay and um, that, he, you know, there's just an accident and they're, you know, so they're kissing in front of the fireplace. Her sweater looks so gorgeous and elegant. <laughs> just sort of made me a funny thing, but... I actually liked her robe a lot. Oh, yeah. The one that was a central plot point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I liked how it was so like really long and yeah, that was classy. I actually I also really liked Gregory Peck's double-breasted suits. Oh yeah, yeah, they looked good on because he's so like lanky. I liked them a lot, and I I thought her clothes showed that she was a professional, like someone who took herself seriously. Yeah, yeah. and her glasses. I mean, way to prove that a woman in glasses looks super sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought about wearing my glasses to work today. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Because I mean, if Inger Bergman can do it, we can yeah. totally pull it off. I, it was really funny when those policemen had a picture of her, which was obviously a headshot, and then they just drew glasses on it, and we're like, no, we recognize her. <laughs> we didn't recognize her before. <laughs> Why does she have a headshot? Why does a psychoanalyst have a moonlights as a as an actress? That's one of my favorite things in movies where they need to have a picture of someone and they just use their We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Uh, what about the social justice aspect? I don't know. I feel like there was there was a big theme in this movie, a big thrust about like finding the truth and like seeking the like seeking to like take responsibility for your actions and um, you know and getting to the bother- bottom of like you know, the cause of a particular, um, like, behavior, I guess. But I don't know if that actually counts as social justice. 
No, I I didn't feel like it had super strong overtures of social justice, but it was somewhat striking the way they viewed people with mental illness in the yeah. movie in that they thought it was very treatable mm-hmm. and not they didn't act like those people were freaks yeah. or anything, which I thought was, I mean, for that time, even, I mean, today there's still a stigma around mental illness. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was sort of interesting that, like, the way that the sanitarium seemed to be, like, set up was that they just all had, you know, meals together and everyone knew everyone else and, like, every, like they sort of, they were wary of people's different, like, psychoses, but they didn't judge them for it. They're like, just don't stay in the same room by yourself with Mary, don't let her take you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or she'll throw a book at your head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not judging her, that's just what will happen. <laughs> I don't think I'll do anything of importance that will displease you, but Mother, from now on, you must give me complete freedom. What did you think in terms of the Bechdel test? Uh, I don't think that this movie could possibly pass the back belt test because there's only one woman in it. But, well, there's the patient, Mary. <laughs> That's true, but they did talk about men the entire time. They did. I was trying to think if this could pass on a technicality in that they're sort of talking about her mental health, but I don't think it does. No. I don't think it does. So, is I don't this think the first one we watched that doesn't pass? The other ones we watched, if they passed, only passed on technicalities. I would say. I think Charade didn't pass because... Oh, because they were talking about the one person's son. Oh, yeah, that's right. did. And then Gentlemen Prefer Blogs. That passed on a technicality because the whole theme was all about... um, Female friendship. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say our rating, or what's your rating of the movie? I would give it four out of five stars. I thought it was really interesting to watch. It was disturbing, which is, you know, the tone they were going for, and um, filmed in really interesting ways, and I love the Dolly dream sequence, too. Yeah. i give it four out of five, too, just, like, the, for all of those reasons, and also the acting was really stellar and um, kind of kind of scary but (laughs) not too bad Ingrid Bergman was great in that she's a great face actress Mm -hmm. until next time thanks for listening (laughs) thanks for listening after all tomorrow is another day